know what the Christian faith offers that no other faith offers is God becoming man. Right. Uh, what a tremendous thing that Jesus Christ became a man. He entered into this world as a human being. And uh, when his friend Lazarus died, Jesus wasn't joyful in that moment. At least he wasn't showing exuberant joy. He wasn't shoving it aside as if it didn't matter. He stood outside the tomb of his friend and he wept. And that was the right thing to do. The, the perfectly righteous one who only ever did what was perfectly righteous wept. Hello and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Each week, we'll tackle tough issues, answer your hard questions, and take a candid look at the Christian faith. This week, we'd like to thank One Rebo for their review. They write, Candid, led by Jonathan Youssef, does a great job of discussing biblical principles as they relate to day-to-day life. It challenges me to think in new ways, but it is so even-keeled, not confrontational or stressful like so many conversations these days. Thank you for helping me learn and grow. Well, thank you, One Rebo. Leave us a review. We love to hear your feedback, and we will share your review on the show. We are quickly approaching the holiday season, a time of year filled with joy, tradition, faith, and nostalgia but can also be a time of grief for so many. And we do not want to overlook those who are grieving this holiday season. Whether you are grieving the death of a loved one, a lost relationship, an unsaved family member, or an unfulfilled dream, today's Candid Conversation guest will minister powerfully to you. Author, pastor, and theologian Tim Challies recently released a new book, Seasons of Sorrow, a real-time, first-person, present-tense series of reflections on the pain that comes with loss and the comfort that God provides. I invite you to join Tim and I as we discuss what godly grief looks like and how we keep moving forward through deep grief in faith in Christ. Our prayer is that this conversation would give help, hope, and comfort to others who are enduring hardship as well as those who may be seeking to help others walk this difficult road. Now, on to our candid conversation. Well, today we have a great privilege. We have Canadian theologian, pastor, noted speaker, author, and blogger Tim Challies. He's got uh, the notable website, challies.com. Lots of book reviews and uh, comments that I have found extremely helpful over the years. And uh, he's here to speak with us today about his book, Seasons of Sorrow. Tim Challies, thank you for taking the time to be with us on Candid Conversations. You're very welcome. It's uh, a pleasure to have you, and I'm not sure if putting Canadian at the front of all those terms was helpful, uh, but it's a great privilege to finally meet you. Uh, Again, I've, I've read a lot of your book reviews. If I'm curious about what direction a book is going in, I'll go to challies.com, and you've always written such helpful reviews and helps for the church. So you've been a tremendous blessing for uh, for the church worldwide. Thank you. Today we are, again, discussing your book, Seasons of Sorrow, The Pain of Loss and the Comfort of God. And this is in direct relation with a tragedy that's occurred in your life. I wonder if you could just 
open the door a little bit for us. For those who may not be familiar, I'm sure many have, have followed along on your blog uh, and just sort of explain some of this, the impetus for writing this for us. Sure. Yeah, it was in uh, November of 2020 that my son Nick passed away very suddenly, very unexpectedly. He was a, a seminary student down at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He was newly engaged. He was doing well in life, as far as we knew, perfectly healthy. And then just in a moment, um, his heart stopped and he collapsed. And um, his sister, his fiance, and a lot of the students from the school were with him at the time. None of them were able to revive him, uh, passing doctor, ambulances, etc. We're not able to. And so uh, we live up here in Canada. We got the news that first something unexpected had happened and then that he had passed away. And so that entered us into a season of sorrow that uh, I eventually wrote about through through this book. Yeah. And you've used this term ministry of sorrow. What is that ministry of sorrow? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I believe that God is sovereign over all that occurs in this world. And so ultimately, matters of life and death are in the hands of the Lord. Um, There's no one born without it being the will of God. There's no one who dies without it ultimately being the will of God. And if we trust that God is sovereign over the circumstances, events of this life, we trust as well that God's sovereign over how he directs people in life and in ministry. And by ministry, I don't really mean a public ministry traveling the world, starting, you know, something people can make charitable donations to. I just mean the way we serve one another as Christians, as members of the same body. And so the ministry of sorrow is one I entered into by being given a great sorrow that's now equipped to me to reach out to those who are in times of sorrow, just like in my time of deep grief, others reached out to me. Yeah. And this book is your writings, uh, almost really journaling through that first year up until the one year anniversary of your of your son's death. I mean, if you were to say this book is for, you know, how would you how would you finish that sentence out? Sure. Yeah. So the book begins on the evening Nick died. You have to go back to the context. This was the early days of the pandemic. The borders between our countries were pretty much locked down. Uh, Strangely, America said you're not allowed to drive over the border, but you can fly over the border. Um, And so we thankfully were able to get a flight down uh, that evening. And it was while I was on the plane that I just started to write because writing is just how I think, how I process, how I work through all of life's events, it's great joys and it's great sorrows. And um, so I I started writing that night and just kept writing. It was probably six or eight months in, I thought, well, maybe all this writing could be a book that could be of service to others. And so the book then is, as you said, a a journal of grief. So it's a real time sort of play by play or just, uh, you know, day by day uh, journey through a time of grief. And so in that way, I think it's helpful for people who are going through grief, perhaps the grief of losing a child or just some of the other griefs we go through, losing a parent, losing a, a spouse. And then beyond that, I would say so much of what's common in any sorrow or so much of any sorrow is has a lot in common with other sorrows. You know, if you were to sort of Venn diagram them out, you'd see that most sorrows have a lot of overlap between them. So I really think as we endure times of suffering in this life, this book, just like any other book on suffering, will have things we can latch onto and can help us through. Yeah. Tim, obviously you're well-read, well-studied, you're a theologian, you're a pastor. You know, to the person who might say, well, of course, Tim was able to navigate this terrain because he was well-prepared. What about the person who 
maybe isn't prepared for it or, or hasn't been or is just sort of a casual church attender or, or, or nothing at all. How would you respond to a reaction like that? Sure, yeah. Um, I think we have lots of examples in the church of people who were well prepared in terms of knowing their theology, having great lots of degrees and lots of credentials. And yet, when a time of great pain or sorrow broke upon them, they revoked it all and walked away. And so, I would want to say that intellectual preparation is important, but it's not sufficient. Um, We prepare ourselves by loving God, by committing our lives to Him, and really by just submitting ourselves to Him. And um, so, when these times of pain come, we are going to have some big questions we're asking. Uh, But hopefully our faith is anchored in the Lord. It's anchored in God. And so when we go through these times, we're not driven away from Him, but we we continue to depend upon Him. So I am very thankful that I was raised in a, a tradition of Christianity that emphasized doctrine. And I do feel that really prepared me for this. From my youngest days, I knew my only comfort in life and death is that I am not my own, but belong in body and soul and life and death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer one. That's true of me. It's true of Nick. He was not his own, but belonged to Jesus Christ. And so we have these these deep truths that in our times of sorrow, we're either going to call upon or we're going to reject and run away from. Yeah, that's so true. You know, in your book, you talk about how up until that point, your life was sunny and happy, and I'm sure you experienced different trials and things, but this was sort of this a completely different darkness that had come in. I think that probably resonates with a lot of people in the Western world where we just have almost everything at our disposal. We, we've never really faced great tragedy. Of course, there are some and, and even many who, who have gone through that. But for those that, that haven't experienced it, maybe talk to us a little bit about what it was like, that darkness coming in, those thoughts and emotions that were coming to the forefront, and then and then what were you were kind of leaning on uh, in those moments of desperation, really? Yeah, I've often thought of this experience I had a, a number of months before Nick died when I was just speaking with my wife, and I said, you know, I think we need to prepare ourselves for times of sorrow, because the more I read the Bible, the more I see that is the normal course for Christians. Uh, we should expect to, to endure times of sorrow, and yet we really haven't. You know, we, we experience the normal kinds of sorrow. So, my father passed away, and of course, that was a, a difficulty. Um, but, you know, within the realm of everybody pretty much loses a parent. And so, uh, that's, you know, a normal difficulty. But I really felt like uh, we ought to prepare ourselves. And the way we prepared ourselves was just really by continuing to to commit to the Lord, commit our, ourselves to Him, commit even our children to Him. When Nick died, we did have this wave of grief, this wave of darkness that crept over us. And those who have experienced a time of deep loss or or deep grief will know that it affects everything. It affects your body. It affects your mind. It affects your soul. It affects everything. It it, it can kind of take over your life. And it takes time then to to emerge from that, to begin to regain normal functions again. That can take weeks, months, for some even years. And so I think if somebody in your life is going through a time of of really traumatic loss, you have to be aware of that, that they're not going to be themselves for some time, and that their capacity to do normal normal things may be substantially reduced for for quite some time. Yeah. There's kind of this thought that, you know, no matter the circumstances, Christians should be joyful in all things. And so there's almost there's no room for grief or grieving. And you just kind of got to pick yourself up, find your hope in Christ and move on. What do you say to that sort of attitude? 
And what the Christian faith offers that no other faith offers is God becoming man. Right. Uh, what a tremendous thing that um, uh, Jesus Christ became a man. He entered into this world as a human being. And uh, when his friend Lazarus died, Jesus wasn't joyful in that moment. At least he wasn't showing exuberant joy. He wasn't shoving it aside as if it didn't matter. He stood outside the tomb of his friend and he wept. And that was the right thing to do. The, the perfectly righteous one who only ever did what was perfectly righteous wept. And so that, that shows us that there's nothing good about shrugging off our sorrows as if they don't matter. They do matter. And they matter because they're truly sorrowful and truly traumatic. They matter because they're a sign of what the likes of you and I have done to this world, that we are sinners. And the fact that sin exists, that death exists, is because sin exists, and that that's on us. And so um, we, we should weep, and we do weep. And so what distinguishes Christianity is that we grieve as those who have hope. And so our grief is not endless. Our grief is not purposeless. Our grief is not um, just empty. We, we know we're grieving with true hope as we look toward uh, the great future to come. Mm. How do you find that your relationship with Christ, even your relationship with your family, your church, have those been changed or transformed in light of this? And what did that kind of look like? Yeah, we're not the same people we are on the side of any grief or any great trauma, I think. And um, God works through these things um, to, I hope, make us better people. He shapes our character and conforms us to the image of Christ through our sorrows. And so I think a lot of us would look back and say, though I would not have wished for this to happen, of course I don't wish that this had happened, still I see how God has used it in my life, made me more aware of eternal realities, given me a deeper appreciation for the gospel, give me a deeper appreciation for the incarnation of Jesus Christ, give me a greater view toward eternity, just a longing to be in heaven. And so, without rejoicing that these things did happen, we can still lament, we can still grieve, um, really believing that God has been purposeful in them, and then uh, rejoicing what God has accomplished through them. And the Bible makes it clear that a lot of our growth happens only through pain. It's not in the times of, of great ease that we tend to grow the most, but in times when we're really in grief. But I want to say, I don't think that means we have to say God does these things so that we will grow. We can't confuse God's purpose with the way God uses it. I think that's really important. So nobody should say, my son died so I could become a better person. I don't think that's the way it works. Right. But my son died and through it, God made me a better person, I think is a better way of looking at it. Uh, amen. That's so true. And I think we can get caught up on that when people misinterpret perhaps what we're trying to explain and they hear it portrayed in that manner. Uh, and that can be unhelpful because that's not maybe the point we're trying to make. But again, that God is using it for his purposes and, and this might be one of them. So I have a question from one of our own producers here on the podcast who's dealt with the grief of infertility and reoccurrent loss. And she's asking, do you think you will grieve the loss of your child for the rest of your life? And in that grief, has your sense of joy changed? And you've touched on that a little bit, but just to kind of come back to that idea. Oh, certainly I'll be grieving for the rest of my life. And I think that's, that's well and good. Now, 
the grief should not continue with the same intensity right. over time. Um, you know, we do have to move through our grief and, and go on with life. And right from the beginning, Aileen and I made it clear to one another that we did not intend to drop out of the race because of this. We were going to grieve, but we're still going to keep laboring for the Lord. In fact, we were going to receive this as something very meaningful and very precious from the Lord and then turn it outward into greater love for God and greater service for his people. Again, the ministry of sorrow saying, if God is really purposeful in the finest details of all that goes on in this world, then surely he's purposeful with our losses and our griefs. He loves us. He's inclined toward us. His heart is for us. He's not doing things arbitrarily. He's doing things very purposefully. So how am I going to receive this from God? I'm going to receive it as something meaningful and something I can turn outward then in love and service. And I think whether the loss is infertility, whether the loss is of a child, whether the loss is of a spouse, whether the loss is of, of a job or uh, ability, whatever it is, we receive that from the Lord. And we turn it into love and service. I, I recently ha- got to spend a little bit of time with Johnny Erickson Tata. And aren't we thankful that she received her her paralysis as something meaningful? And she spent her whole life then serving God on the basis of it. That's so precious. And uh, she's simply doing what the Lord has called her to do in that, I'm sure. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about, because um, I know you have specific reference to one day when you were visiting the cemetery, and uh, there was a couple that came alongside. So, so, and you can use that as an example. But what are some of the examples of God's graciousness and mercy and, and goodnesses that He's brought into your life in the midst of a difficult season? It was a very difficult season, not least because it was still relatively early pandemic, and in Canada, the the pandemic lasted almost a year longer than it did in in most of America in terms of the measures stayed in place and the caution and so on. So um, we experienced the normal sorrows, but then also the sorrows that come with a lot of isolation when um, people are literally forbidden. It's literally legal for people to come into our home or to uh, be with us. And so it was a long, long time, um, but the Lord really did meet us in many ways. And, you know, God really reached out to us in the ways we should expect through his word and through his people. And so God's voice never boomed from the sky, but God's people, as they were able over time, they spoke his words to us. And we held on to those words as as God's own word, just spoken through his people. And God ministered to us through the word, of course, through the spirit, was very present with us. There were a few occasions where something special happened. And, you know, the one you referenced, we were at the cemetery one day, a particularly sorrowful day when Uh, It was the day Nick would have been married, and so we were just aware that this was letting go of the future. Um, Nick never would be married. He never would have a wife. We never would be grandparents of his children, all of these things. And so just a a day of deep, deep sorrow. And so Eileen and I were at the grave just weeping. And wouldn't you know it, the Lord dispatched a couple of his people. And so uh, mom and dad, whose son is buried in the same cemetery, they read my website, they were aware of the loss. They just happened to be there, just happened to be there that day. Uh, They don't usually visit at that time, neither do we, but there they were. And they recognized us and they came over and they just ministered to us. And it was really just such a holy moment. Uh, we've never seen them before or since. It, God knew exactly what we needed and when we needed it, and He dispatched people. And another time, I, I went there when I just personally was having a really hard, hard day, and I just went to the cemetery, 
And wouldn't you know, one of our deacons just happened to be there again. I think as far as I know, the only time he's been there, but just the Lord aligned the circumstances through his providence. We don't even have to talk about miracles, right? Even better. God just worked his providence to bring me and them there when they could minister to me and I could receive their comfort. So God was, has been so patient and so gracious and so kind to us. Mm. Let's talk about the response to the book so far. I mean, you got uh, comments from some really helpful Bible teachers on the back, Alistair Begg, Paul Tripp, uh, Albert and Mary Moeller, Nancy Guthrie. Let's talk about the response, not necessarily from those people, but just in general, the general reception. Have you received uh, you know, helpful letters and emails and texts or anything like that on an issue that is very challenging? The reader gets quite an insight into the depth of your pain, but also, as you mentioned, sort of this um, high hope that, that emanates from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so far, the feedback has been very, very encouraging, very positive. And I think what means most to me is when somebody who is going through or has recently gone through a very similar loss reaches out and just says thanks. And I had a father whose son died recently reach out just yesterday and say, you're speaking words for me or something along those lines. And that was just such a blessing to hear because uh, he can identify with what I'm saying. And I know The Lord gifts us all in different ways, and one of the ways He's gifted me is the ability to express these things, and then He's given me the circumstance in which I can do so. And so, doing my best to embrace the gifts God has given me and use them for His service, it's such a blessing when we can then see them operate in those ways. And um, so, that's been a tremendous encouragement. And then also, people who are going through different losses, when somebody who's recently widowed reaches out and just says, thank you, this is speaking my language, that's every bit as, as comforting and helpful. Yeah. And I know that um, City of Light and Sandra McCracken have actually partnered with you in response to the book and coming out with music. And, and it's beautiful to see the partnerships. You know, here's you as an author and a writer and the giftings that you have and then those that are um, sort of compiling music and being able to, to marry those two things together and really be a great gift to the church. Is that, was that a, a helpful process that you went through or uh, working with them? Yeah, oh, it was such a blessing. I've been in touch with City Light a little bit over the years, and I so appreciate their music. It's, they've been such a blessing. Our church sings it, and they've just created some very meaningful hymns and modern worship. And they'd reached out a little while ago to say, would you ever be interested in collaborating on a song? And um, I said, well, I, I don't write music, and I'm not musical, and I don't play an instrument, and I don't sing, so what would a collaboration look like? You got the wrong guy. <laughs> And they said, well, what if we were to just talk about what's on your heart and then we could begin working on a song and we could do some back and forth on it and see what it turned into. And so I sent them a copy of the book still in its very early stages and they read the book and that's, that's what we did, did some back and forth. And they arrived at this lovely little song called In the Valley that uh, again, it's been lovely to hear people singing it now around the world. We, we got the privilege of singing it first in our church. Uh, Sunday before it was released to the world, we sang it and very meaningful for our church to sing it, knowing the story behind it. And now a blessing to see little clips of it on YouTube or on Instagram as other churches begin to sing it. When the path that I fear is the way He is set And I long to give in and retreat Still to Jesus I hold as I face every step For the Lord He will give me His peace
You know, just thinking about words of encouragement that you might have for a Christian brother or sister who's grieving and and perhaps going through a moment of struggle in their faith um, through a season, you know, somewhat similar to what you've gone through. What what words would you have for them? Yeah, I would want to encourage them to begin at the cross, um, to just take their minds and their hearts to the cross of Jesus Christ and to see the most hideous event in all of human history, bringing about the greatest good in all of human history. And then you can work from the greater to the lesser and say, look, if God can bring such good out of such horror, then surely God can bring good out of this. And if God was so purposeful in what transpired at the cross, then surely he's been purposeful in what's transpired in in my life or in the death of a child or whatever circumstance we're lamenting. Um, so when we start at the cross, we've oriented ourselves properly. And then I think as well for people who are going through grief, just find that thing to anchor yourself to. Just find some truths that are absolutely fundamentally true. You're not going to swerve from those. And, and for us, that was the goodness of God and the sovereignty of God. We would not back away from saying God is sovereign. He, he ordains all the events of this world. He's intimately involved in them. And God is good. He's inclined toward us. That, that means he's not done anything bad. He's, he's done things that are purposeful and good and, and, and someday will make sense, even if we can't see that now. And so anchor yourself to truth. And um, I think you'll then see you can work back from those and just begin to draw comfort from the Lord. Well, the book is Seasons of Sorrow, The Pain of Loss, and the Comfort of God. Tim Challies, it's been a privilege to have you on the program. Uh, thank you for your ministry. Thank you for the work on this uh, through a difficult season. And we pray blessings upon you, brother. Thank you for taking the time to be with us. Uh, you're very welcome.
Candid is a podcast from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Don't forget to connect with our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And subscribe to Candid Conversations on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. While there, please leave a review. It does help people to find us. As always, thank you for listening to and sharing this episode.